Hi, this is Matt Stagliano, and thanks for being part of the Artist Forge. We're a community of creatives who help each other think like an artist by discussing creativity as a process instead of a skill or a talent. We believe everyone has what it takes to create something amazing, we just need some encouragement and inspiration along the way. What you're about to hear is a live recording of one of our daily discussions on the Clubhouse app. If you like what you hear, I encourage you to join our private Facebook group or visit us on the web at theartistforge.com. Now on to the show. Um, I considered potentially derailing our conversations yesterday in order to have this particular talk. But since we've been on a really great roll towards all of this business stuff, I wanted to let everything go where it was going. However, um, because this is kind of a recent, it's not so much a recent development in my life. Anyway, we'll get to that. Because this is a really important issue, particularly right now um, with the state of the world and moving up to the holidays, I wanted to talk to y'all about anxiety and mental health. So yay, you're welcome. Um, so before I do that great big introduction, I just want to say Welcome everyone to Morning Walk and Photo Talk with the Artist Forge. My name is Nicole York. I am your host talking about mental health. I recently finally made myself an appointment with my doctor um, to discuss mental health because as many of you know, I am in a, a battle with anxiety and most of the time, it only appears around times of stress where something is going on and it tends to manifest itself, usually as like um, hyperfixations on my personal health. And, and it will show up as stupid things like um, my ankles are swelling, which they're, they're not, but I think they are. And so that obviously means that my kidneys are failing, right? So it, it will start as a, a small thing that I notice. And I, I tend to hyperfixate on it until it becomes some big crazy issue that it has no business being. Um, and it will also manifest itself as catastrophizing. So I will imagine something small will happen. A kid will sneeze. And all of a sudden, the worst case scenario has happened. He has gotten sick and gotten the rest of us sick. And now I'm in the hospital dying and Skyping my children to say goodbye to them. Like, it will kind of immediately jump all the way to the worst case scenario. And I will have a physical reaction to these thoughts that's really difficult to control. David has had the pleasure of seeing this happen in real life, kind of become a, a shuddering puddle on the floor. During the before times, um, these kinds of symptoms and these kinds of struggles, I would control with things like exercise, meditation, breath work, grounding. And if you've never heard the term grounding before, it is kind of centering yourself in some kind of physical sensation. So some people will hold ice cubes. Um, some people will do like 500,000 mountain climbers real fast and um, stress their body out so they can ground themselves in those physical sensations. Some people will put their face in cold water. Um, some people will try to focus on, you know, the feeling of the carpet or of your shirt or something that you can, something physical that you can hold on to. So, um, for me, getting cuddles from my husband or like having some kind of physical touch works really well, um, or at least is helpful. But during now, <laughs> during the COVID times, 
it's become a lot more difficult for me to control my physical reactions to these mental thoughts. And of course, I'm doing my best to control these mental thoughts. I don't know why I need to say mental before thoughts. That's where the thoughts are. I'm doing my best to control these thoughts. But once you enter into an anxiety mode, your prefrontal cortex kind of shuts down. So you stop believing yourself when you try to derail these train of thoughts and, and put them into a healthier space or into um, a more grounded space, one that you recognize. Because I understand I'm relatively young and pretty healthy. My family is very healthy. If something were to happen, if one of us were to get sick, the chances of us getting a severe illness are really, really, really low, in addition to the fact that we're vaccinated. So there's a lot of great things in our favor. But when that worry starts and when the body starts to respond, the prefrontal cortex shuts down. And as much as I try to convince myself of these things, I don't listen. So um, it's begun to affect the quality of my life. And it's making it harder for me to manage things. It's making me more forgetful. It's making me more anxious on a daily basis, um, particularly as now my, my middle kiddo has gone back to regular school because he needs it. Another year of online schooling is probably going to destroy um, whatever hopes he has of doing well in school. It's just not a good fit for him. Um, my youngest also needs to go back to school and my oldest has begun work part-time. And so having all of these things happen outside the house, even though here in New Mexico, we still have a mask mandate, my entire family is vaccinated. I mean, we're doing as much of the right things as you can. That anxiety is not reciprocating, but my response is not equal to the amount of danger that's actually happening. So I finally made an appointment with a mental health specialist. I go in on the 23rd um, and it, that's because I recognize that at this point, my coping mechanisms are no longer sufficient to deal with the effects that are happening in my life. And, and my quality of life is degrading because I'm living in almost perpetual fear. So I wanted to have that conversation today because it's always really difficult for us to stand up and say, you know what? I am struggling. It's to the point where I'm not capable of handling the load of it anymore. And I need to bring people onto my team who can help me. It's not easy. And often we feel like it means we've failed in some way. And so we don't, we don't want to take that step. It feels like failure to book the appointment. And then we don't mention it to anybody because we don't want them to know that we're struggling. We don't want them to worry about us. We don't want to admit we've failed again, right? Once in making the appointment, once in saying it out loud. And I'm not sure if this is just our, the hesitancy to do this is, is kind of a, a collective self-protection mechanism, or if it is due to a lot of the conversations we have had around mental health collectively, but that's why this push towards destigmatizing things like anxiety and post-traumatic stress disorder and et cetera, et cetera, is going on because we need to be able to have these conversations publicly and let one another know that we've made a really healthy choice for ourselves. And that's what it should be. It should be hey, guess what? I made a really healthy choice to take care of myself mentally in the same way that I would take care of myself if I had physical issues manifesting. And so that's why we're having today's conversation. 
And I realize we're kind of cutting right into the middle of our talks on business, but this time of year tends to spark a lot of mental illness. And the fact that we now have other things like, you know, more variants looming, the potential of mask mandates being reintroduced in places where they aren't right now, the potential of, you know, other things going on. It's a lot of stress to deal with. So it's time for this conversation. I want to leave um, some open space because I know a lot of the mods and guests up this morning have also dealt with this. So how is everybody doing mental health wise? What are your thoughts on the issue? Welcome back to the fun. Um, like, like Nicole, Nicole and I talked about this recently. Um, I also had to, you know, and again, have, have extensive background in psychology, but also realized that, uh, not playing on optimal playing field anymore. Um, and unlike her, uh, you know, I mean, I have some external factors. Uh, I realized that, um, my mom dying and especially dying at home really screwed my life up. Uh, and that's probably why I've been absent from this and basically every other social media platform for a while. Um, you know, I, as you guys know, I was a soldier for most of my life. Uh, the, the most unexpected thing about losing my mom is, um, things that were like part of natural death process, but you know, it's as fun as it sounds on the day she was dying, my entire, I could smell death in my whole home. Uh, so, you know, your sanctuary is violated, but I also realized that <laughs> eight later after, not even 18 years later, but, um, I don't know, many years later since my last combat role, uh, there is a whole bunch of stuff that apparently I never dealt with. There was always a mission. There was always a mission. When you lose somebody downrange, there's always another mission. And so you can put all this stuff aside. Um, but then when your home is invaded by this thing that just takes you back to these other places, I can't, I can't cope. I can't deal uh, I can't focus anymore. I can't, I can barely work effectively because there's just all of this stuff that's crashing down on me, just kind of like wave after wave after wave of, of everything from memories. Then of course, you know, you start throwing in holidays and holidays, uh, you know, reminding you of people, people reminding you of people who are no longer available to you. Um, you know, all of that becomes just massive factors that has totally and completely derailed my life. Um, and it took me a little bit to come to grasp with that there was some external isms that were making it really, I mean, mostly for me, just very, very difficult to concentrate and very difficult to be in the moment and very difficult to just not lose my mind. Um, and turn into a ball of mush and just not do anything. Um, you know, so like Nicole, I had to reach out and start figuring out what external help I could get because, uh, I think unlike Nicole, and we've talked about this before, I have a, 
a, a past history of, of depression and even a suicide attempt. Um, so I recognize really quickly when stuff is not right. And it scares me because I have a lot more to lose in my life now than I ever did previously. I have two very small children who I very much want to see grow up. And, you know, bottom line is I'm not willing to be another statistic in this whole fight that we have going on universally across the board with people who have experienced the worst of human beings. I just, I refuse to be another number. So, um, again, I think it's an opportunity to check in, talk about all these things, realize that there's just still a lot of drama and for many of us, a lot of stuff in our past that the most unexpected thing in the world can can stir the pot, if you will. Yep, it is. It is a struggle. Um, and many of us that have anxiety issues will recognize that we have triggers. And then what happens is during times like this, where there are a lot of external issues that are kind of boiling up together, then you have a playing field that turns into a minefield. It just becomes riddled with these things. And you don't always know now how you can either mitigate or avoid those things. And so it just becomes a lot more difficult to maneuver through. And you begin to notice the manifestation in other things. Like you mentioned, um, the difficulty in focusing, the difficulty in remembering, also starting to recognize that there's a degraded ability to deal with things. I have a lot of messages from folks that I just haven't answered because it's going to take me some mental and emotional energy to go back and answer them as well as they deserve to be answered. Um, and as soon as I contemplate that, I feel myself starting to shrink away from it. And there's a ridiculous desire to run and hide, even just from well-meaning messages. So you may be noticing even some of these smaller things start to crop up in your life, these manifestations of just not carrying the load very well. And it is okay to see those and recognize those for what they are. Um, I want to make sure that, that we have this conversation so that we're giving each other permission to show up and to have people to talk to because for some of us that that may be the very simple answer right is just to be able to have these conversations in a really open way for others of us we are going to need additional help i need additional help um david right now needs additional help we need folks who are professionals in this area to help guide us through some of the struggles that we're having and that is a really freaking healthy decision to make so anybody else up on the panel this morning because I know we're going to have hands up and I want to make sure that I bring people up. I see Ari's got his hand up, but um, anybody else on the panel this morning, you guys have experience with mental health that you would like to share so we can kind of break down some of these barriers we have about being able to talk about this kind of thing. And then we'll talk about some stuff that we can do as well. Certainly. Um... You know, I think I've, I've been relatively open here about the struggles that I have, um, but this time of year is always a little bit harder um, as it is with quite a few people. But 
you know, Nicole, when you and I spoke yesterday, um, you know, I made a, I made a post recently on Instagram for this exact reason, just to give people the understanding that it's okay to talk about this and to raise the awareness of mental illness. Um, I personally am burned out beyond belief mentally and physically. Um, and you know, I, I go through and I put on the good mask every day and, um, you know, hide behind humor a lot, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty burnt out at the moment for all the reasons, um, primarily because I have such a high drive and such perfectionist tendencies. Um, I, there's never enough. I can never do enough. Um, I didn't do well enough. I mean, there's a, a lot of that type of stuff that we've talked about in terms of internal conflict and internal struggle. Um, but yeah, I'm feeling that way. And, you know, while I've also made calls to my therapist and have set up appointments for the end of the year, um, as, you know, kind of check in tune ups, you know, the big thing for me that helps in the moment, and I'm not saying this is going to work for everybody, but for me, it does help to just kind of reframe and look at the things I'm grateful for. Even if that's like, hey, my laptop battery still works. I've got a roof over my head. I've got food in my stomach. Like all of those things help ground me um, and at least take the edge off. It doesn't solve the underlying problem. It doesn't solve the anxiety or the overwhelm or the burnout or you know the depression or anything like that. It doesn't solve it. Um, but what it does is it alleviates it for me in the moment just to ground myself and say, all right, Let's take a real look at the problems, figure out what we can solve, what can we control, what can we not? And then also, what are we grateful for? Um, because there needs to be that balance. You can be anxious and you can be depressed, but you can also be very grateful and very humble and very appreciative for the things that you do have. So that's the way that I balance it. But certainly, yeah, there's, there's more struggle this time of year for me than at any other time. Yep, I think I think you said something that probably a lot of people can really identify with, and that is just the fact that um, we're just run down. You know, it's been a long road, and we've had a couple false summits where we thought, okay, this is going to be it, and then it wasn't, and it's so frustrating, um, and and we lose all of that, you know, hope for where we were going, and it it just makes you want to smack something. Um, and it, it wears you down. You just really start getting tired and your defenses start to become a little bit weaker. And, you know, those things that you could count on in other times, you, you can't count on all of a sudden. So I think a lot of people can really identify with that. And uh, if, if people have not considered whether they want to talk to somebody yet, hopefully some of these things that we're mentioning will help them see those signs um, as as indicators. You know, it's it's nothing to be ashamed of if that's where you find yourself. It's an indicator that it's time to check your engine out, man. So, you know, you're not allowed to have any guilt for that kind of thing. Um, Basam Becca, is there anything y'all want to share before we start bringing up some folks from the audience today? Well. I'm, I do. I do want to share. I'm not sure how relevant it is in the discussion today, but but maybe other people have have gone through the same thing. Uh, I in general, I I haven't suffered from anxiety. I I don't know if I can relate to what you guys are describing. 
Uh, although I did in a way after my battle with, with cancer in 2018, I spent about a year, a year and a half, maybe two after that, experiencing what I think is anxiety, but I can't really put my finger on it. Uh, it was, and I don't know if it's, uh, if it's one of those things that only people who go through that type of trauma can relate to, whether it's cancer, whether it's something else. But it was walking around all day long as if there's a cloud above me, as if there's something there that's, that's like a weight on my shoulder that I couldn't get away from. Uh, it wasn't major. It didn't stop me from doing things. It did change my, 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 uh, uh, my not my attitude, but I was a bit edgy with people, I, I guess, especially early on. Uh, changed my disposition a bit. I think it's anxiety, but it wasn't extreme enough for me to worry about. I carried it with me and slowly it went away, right? And that's the only thing I can share today because I honestly, I, I can't relate to what you're, what you're describing. Well, I'm really glad on your behalf that you can't. And also every time you mention, every time you mention your battle with cancer, it makes me nervous. <laughs> I'm always like, oh no. Like it, it makes me so grateful we still have you. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad, especially even during that scary time, that you were able to um, be able to mitigate some of those things because I can only imagine how difficult that must have been. And, yeah. and no, I do want to specify it was that that actual feeling was after everything was okay. It wasn't even during the the actual you know cancer treatment. It was really the year and a half after, right? And, and, and what I've learned from people is that, you know, going through the treatment and so on is probably the easiest part of it. It's what you live afterwards and what you have to deal with afterward more mentally than, than physically. And to be honest, my, my thing with cancer wasn't, I, I don't want to downplay it, but it really was, I was very lucky. It wasn't a major thing. It wasn't, it was still difficult. It was still tough, uh, but it wasn't, uh, you know, it was, it was relatively smooth. Uh, but yeah, it's the afterlife. It's like life before and life after. But thank God, today it's it's that feeling is gone. Uh, it does crop up once in a while, but um, it's essentially. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear it. And during that time, you felt um, you felt capable of kind of dealing with those feelings and that aspect. absolutely yeah it wasn't really you know in, in any way or, f or shape or form affecting what i can do what i can't do or my but it was there it was just a weird feeling that's hard to describe and i'm just mentioning it in case somebody can bring light to it. maybe it's similar to something you know maybe it's a similar feeling to what you know some of the some of the anxiety uh, uh situations you're describing i don't know maybe it's a mild version maybe it's a beginning of it and maybe it's a red flag i don't know Sure. Um, when you mentioned the cloud, for me, that that feels like depression. Um, that's what depression feels like for me. So it may not always be a severe depression, right? But that that feeling of just not being able to escape it and kind of waking up every day and going, great, there it is still. <laughs> that's what depression feels like to me. Um, so I noticed, Becca, you had unmuted as well. So definitely want to hear from you. Um, and, do you, and then do you really? <laughs> I, I mean, yep. <laughs> um, oh, I don't, I don't know how to answer this topic. It, it's a heavy topic, and I am here to, um, I suppose, uh, 
candidly represent the party of people with a long standing history of mental illness that are entirely absolutely irresponsible about it um that's where i'm coming from i uh yeah um have you know a long history with various forms of doctors and such to uh get inside my head i know what all the ups and downs and all that um and I, of course, have also had a very personal clinical interest in psychology, both to better understand myself and to uh, navigate a lot of relationships to those near and dear to me who also have had various mental health struggles. Um, but I will say that I am a giant hot mess who hasn't seen a doctor recently and has not seen a therapist in years um, for probably a multitude of reasons. And that is all my bad. So that's about where I'm coming from right now. Um, but yeah, I'm burnt out. I'm tired. <laughs> I have problems. I'm right there with y'all. Yep. Yeah. And no pressure from anyone today. If this isn't something you are ready to get into, um, we're 100% not going to force you to do that. So um, don't don't come up and talk if you're not ready to do that. But if you are, we want to hear from you. Um, so I'm going to grab... Uh, why does it not show up for me? I don't know why it does this. I'm going to grab Ari and Carol and then Trish. And we're going to have you guys kind of speak in that order. And remember, we want to make sure that we, uh, that we have time for everybody. So. so, hi, I will keep this as tight as I can. And I took notes to, to keep myself on track. I think this is like, I don't know, cosmic or something, because um, like I've been up since like four and um, I saw a like someone forwarded me a uh, Instagram post of a picture of uh, someone with their hand out and a pill on their hand. And I didn't, the way they forwarded it, it didn't have any of the text. So I didn't understand like what the point was. It was like a picture of the mirror, a selfie and um, what, um, but then I, then somebody else forwarded me another post later on which was actually the same post, but this one at the time with the text. And basically, um, there's a, um, a doctor out there uh, who a couple weeks ago, um, you know, basically said that, you know, he's hesitated for a long time to say this, but, you know, he has mental health problems and he wants to say it publicly because, um, you know, he wants to do it to encourage people to um, help end the stigma that comes with mental health difficulties. And, um, so I decided to, and so he, he set up this hashtag to, um, uh, hashtag post your pill. And in the two, three weeks since he did this, it's been over 5,000 posts and it's, you know, the creativity of people posting is, is been incredible. And so I went and I was going to post my pill. Right. And, um, but because of the artist forge, I was like, well, I can't post this picture, you know? And, um, I took a picture. And so I literally am like, ready to hit send on this post that I've been, you know, I'm brand new to Instagram too. So just trying to figure out how to do it the right way. Um, and I just feel like, you know, it directly um, relates here. And I just thought maybe I could quickly just read what I wrote because it, it just says, um, addresses directly um, what I wanted to say. And then I won't go uh, off the rails. Um, you know, this is what I'm going to post with a picture of my meds. Um, meds are not for everyone. For those in need, they can be a life or a game changer. Or, or even a lifesaver. Those who opt out should never be afraid because they are unable, they are made to 
feel weak. Nobody shames a diabetic for taking insulin. Why then is someone in pain and turmoil shamed for taking the meds? Meds are just one tool I use to manage my ADHD, anxiety, and depression. They work together with therapy, community, tangible devices, various apps, and self-care. The picture is a visual representation of my mental health toolbox. Standing proudly atop my ADHD clock are my morning dosages of Adderall and Xanax. Both are my friends, and as a team, we will all conquer the day ahead. I'm not ashamed. I'm proud of myself for embracing the full range of help that is available to me. Be proud of your journey and of your strength. End the stigma laid on mental health struggles and accepting prescribed meds. And, um, you know, I think that touches on, you know, both community, you know, doing it publicly, and it's very hard to ask for help. And it's hard to accept the help that comes, too. And you know, our brains are, um, you know, even neurotypical brains, but certainly people like me that are neurodiverse, our brains are, are, are doing a constant monologue fighting with, with, with ourselves and, um, you know, trying to use things like you said, Nicole, uh, logic to say, oh, well, this isn't a bad thing. This can't be, this can't be a bad disease. This isn't in our family. It, it, it's, it's futile to try to fight it solely that way because our brains are very powerful. Um, you know, when I first realized when I came to this epiphany a couple months ago was when my heart was racing or I felt like my heart was racing and people had told me I have to own my own reactions. I'm like, I'm trying to calm myself down. I looked at my Apple watch and my heart rate was like 145, 150. And I'd been sitting the whole time. I had to move the inch. And I'm like, well, it's really hard to tell my brain to not have my heart race. And it's like the, the, the watch was, was proof and, and they, um, validation, validation to me that, you know, I need something that I can only get from a doctor to, to fix that and to help me as a tool for that. So, you know, there's a lot of things I sort of touched on and, you know, certainly anybody here who wants to talk about any of it is more than welcome to reach out and, you know, I can help in the sense of, um, you know, pointing you towards how I found the communities I found to help me with my struggles. And, and it's been, you know, absolutely invaluable and you know it i can't say enough about the clubhouse experience in terms of uh, what what support system i've been able to uh, build for myself through that as well so that's it i'm Ari, and don't ditch my photo when you see it because it's not good no carol please go ahead Hi, um, okay, I could relate to the catastrophizing that you mentioned, Nicole, and having come from a similar past as yours, I mean, that self-talk where you automatically go to the most uh, negative possibility, um, I can relate to that. And I'm thinking for both of us, we should read How to Stop Worrying and Start Living Your Life by Dale Carnegie, because his other book was so good that this probably would be good too. But for me currently, my mood is directly tied to my success or lack thereof. I'm overdue for this uh, business to be in place, to be successful, to allow me options. My husband's ready to move across the country. And if we, if I can't get the capital I need to do that, which I should be perfectly capable of with how much work I've done, 
over the years, um, then, you know, I'm, I'm left with decisions that I am not happy with, like, um, like having to, you know, not be able to afford to move all my stuff across the country, you know, um, and, and I get really frustrated because I don't know how to do this. It is out of my wheelhouse completely. And I'm at the beginning stages when I should be established for this time in our life. You know, I keep hoping to find that connection in my life that's going to make a difference. And I've actually said to strangers, partner with me and we could both be wealthy, you know, because I know people like my work. I just don't know how to do this thing. And so I'm here patiently trying to learn, but um, it's it's a, a kind of a daily frustration. And every once in a while, about every, I don't know how often, um, you know, week every about every week and a half or so, I'm like, oh man, there's nothing happening. Nothing's going to happen. I can't do this, you know, uh, thinking, which, you know, doesn't help but I still am here trying to learn uh, and other places trying to learn uh, what to do, but I still feel it shouldn't be me doing this. You know, this is uh, my stage of life, my lack of experience in, in the world for this, to be able to deal with, uh, you know, business people that know what they're doing and not be taken, you know, um, so that's, that's where I am. I don't, I wouldn't say that, um, the worst, the worst time I had as far as depression went is when I lived in Arizona, our air conditioner was broken. I was at home all day, uh, for the first four years of my son's life. And I got to the point where I was sleepwalking and every doctor I saw was a guy guy doctors and they wanted to put me on meds. I'm like, I don't need meds. I need people. <laughs> you know, I needed connection because I came from the Air Force. I had a wonderful network and it and then went to nothing and then in miserable conditions. And, you know, they they forced me out because they were making everybody, you know, they were trying to make it difficult on everybody way they scaled down the forces. I don't know if you guys realize that happens, but it's a thing. Um, cause I had joined for a career. That was my intent. Um, and I did really well. I worked for, directly for the wing commander. I had, you know, rave reviews and all that, even though that also was not where I should have been. So anyway, um, hope that's not too long. And this is Carol. All right. I want to make sure we can hear from Cicela and then Kat, if you have anything to share there as well. I want to make sure we hear from both of you guys. And then we're going to start talking about some of the things that we can do. And I'm, I'm keeping in mind what you mentioned, Carol, because I think um, one of the things that you mentioned is actually something we can often counteract on our own. Um, some of those thoughts. So I'm, I'm going to be keeping that in mind. But Cicela would love to hear from Hi, you guys. Tuning in from Sweden here. Um, <laughs> this is. I'm so happy you guys are, are putting this up as a subject because I think it's so incredibly important that we talk about mental health, especially as small business owners. We don't have the network 
uh, of co-workers and bosses that can be put into place for us to get the help we need. So all help that we need, we have to initiate ourselves. <laughs> um, I have a long history of being anxious and probably also being depressed. Um, I didn't realize recently, well, last year, I didn't realize my depression and it took a huge toll and now I'm in therapy and I will never stop going to therapy. <laughs> um, but I think having people around you that can help support you in your struggle is more important than anything. You need people that can, that can tell you, no, you're not just being obsessive or no, you're not just losing it. You're, you're, this is not normal. You need, you need help. Um, and I can, it's interesting. I can actually, usually I don't feel like I rave this much, but I, um, <laughs> this is a, this is a subject of some nervousness for me, some anxiety for me. Um, I just feel like it's important that we talk about it. Um, and especially this time of year for me, I, I'm looking at my books and I'm like, oh no, I didn't do well enough. I'm like, where's the next client going to come from? Where's the, how I'm going to pay the next bill? All those wonderful things. And everything will be okay. They always are, but the fear of it doesn't go away. And then just like you, Nicole, I have anxiety for sickness. Um, and I have a ton of triggers that comes up, especially around COVID. Um, so yeah, sometimes things just seem like chaos and that's why we need these talks. That's why we need these people, you people, to help us see that we don't have to feel this way. It's okay. We can, we can absolutely be okay later. We just have to work for it, unfortunately. And that's the hard part, realizing that things are difficult and not necessarily normal and not how they're supposed to be and then fight to get some level of normalcy back and that's the hard part man the struggle the fighting the really trying to level yourself out again yep yep there's definitely something in there that i want to make sure that we address um a little bit later as well because the whole idea of normal sometimes feels like it's out to get us. Um, so I, I definitely want to address that a little bit later. Kat, is there anything you want to share in regards to mental health before we start talking about, of course, we're going to mention therapy because we could all use some, but we can also <laughs> some of the other things. Yeah, no, of course. Um, I think it's actually really funny. You know, I'm, I'm tried and true Gen X. So I live in this, this state of just tough it out and deal with it. And that's the way life works. And, you know, like millennials and Gen Z, they sort of came up behind us and they're like, what do you mean you work 800 hours a week? What do you mean you don't have work-life balance? What do you mean you don't take quality time with your favorite people? You know, and I just kind of like, what? I'm too busy for that shit. Um, but I'm also the same person who was sitting on an airplane this morning. Uh, I just got down to Florida and I'm covered in hives. My lips are swollen. My left eye even has a hive on it. And I'm just like itching like I'll get out. <laughs> uh, and it's because like I'm paying attention to things that I have been avoiding uh, primarily for the year. And it's, you know, it's wrapped around spending and, you know, habits. But now like now that I'm looking at it, that means that if I can see it, other people can too. And 
oh shit, what are they going to think of me? And that judgment comes into place and da, 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 da. Like, and I'm aware, like, no cat, like take a beat, take a breath. It's okay. But I realized that all of this, like my body is manifesting, crawling out of its skin based on an anxiety that I have that really has no hold in truth at all. And that's the only thing that's like keeping me from literally ripping my fucking skin off. Um, but it's part of being an entrepreneur too. And it's, it's part of being a human. Let's take away the business aspect. It's just part of being human uh, and understanding that anxiety and depression and these things happen for all of us in a myriad of ways and to have compassion for ourselves. And like you guys were saying, you know, like seek out those support systems too uh, for when we do kind of go off the rails because we do every last one of us. Oh, yep. We do 100%. Okay. So first huge thanks to everybody who is willing to share today. I know that this is heavy. I mean, we heard a lot of stories of people struggling and that can, I mean, that in itself can sometimes be a mental and emotional weight. So first want to say thank you to everybody. And second want to say that just because we've got some struggles that we're dealing with, it doesn't mean that we're still not leading amazing lives that we're really happy to be a part of. Um, I am incredibly blessed in my relationship with my husband. I love the shit out of my kids. I'm doing the kind of jobs I want to do. I have a whole lot to be grateful for. And just because I am having some of these mental struggles, it doesn't mean I'm not still happy to lead the life that I lead and really, really grateful to be surrounded by the people that I have. So um, keep in mind, the struggle is real, but also the gratitude and the joy and all of those things are real too. Um, and there are some things here that we can tackle. Um, and, and I'm going to mention those and some things that we just, we need to have help for it, whether that comes in the form of one another or whether that comes in the form of a licensed therapist who can really walk us through that stuff. Um, either of those things have their place and are, you know, we can be incredibly grateful for those. So we have Trish as well. I want to make sure Trish has a chance to share. And then we're going to go ahead and shut off bringing folks up and we're going to start talking about some of these things that we can do to deal with Hi, sorry about that, everybody. I had uh, a client come in to pick up her stuff and I wasn't expecting her this early. So um, I had to disappear for a second. But um, I, I just wanted to kind of share my experience with regards to mental health. And it's such a stigma, I think. And my whole life, even as a child, I was told, don't cry don't do that. Why are you crying? Like, so, and a lot of the time when we get um, really upset or we, we have this emotional outburst, we need to release it. And I think for me, you know, I never really, we were always told growing up, like, you know, it's suck it up. It doesn't come out. Whatever happens in the house stays in the house, whatever this, you keep it to yourself. And I think that that's a huge, a, a huge problem for so many of us, because when you're in, even now, like I'm so used to keeping everything bottled up that eventually it's got to go somewhere. So whether it's crying, whether it's, um, screaming at someone, whether it's like, you just lose your, 
your your poop in the Costco parking lot, which I've done, <laughs> by the way, um, it was not pretty. Um, you have to be able to have a, a, some form or some way to kind of release that stress and that pressure and then stop putting so much on yourself. I don't know, some of you may know, I lost uh, all my, my catalog, my Lightroom catalog, literally three weeks ago. So I've been under a huge amount of stress and pressure and literally dying inside because when Matt was talking about being a perfectionist and wanting things a certain way, it's like, yeah, I get it. Like I actually started to tear up a little bit because I was, I felt that so immensely. And then trying to figure out how to cope with the fact that this this really wasn't my fault that my hard drive gave out. I have all the back the backups, that kind of stuff. I have things in place, but what could I have done? And then you put this pressure on yourself, which then could lead you, you know, into this spiral of anger. Um, so I think for me, taking some time where I've literally said to my clients, I no longer work Sundays. I do not work Sundays. I take that day for me, whether it's with my kids, whether it's by myself, and I have a mental moment. It could be sitting in a hot bathtub and reflecting on my week, my month, my day. It could be reflecting on a situation that happens. But once I'm out of that bathtub, whatever that stress is, that pressure is, I let it go down the drain with the rest of the bath water because I need to have that release and I need to be kind and gentle with myself. Um, so I think the takeaway for me would be one, you need to find a way to release that negative energy, um, that you can, that, that allows you the ability to communicate how you're feeling. Um, and two, you need to have a trusted safe space to be able to do that. So whether it's your bathtub, like mine is, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's a best friend. Uh, I have a friend in Australia that whenever she, she can hear it in my voice, in my postings on Facebook, she'll call me, um, you know, and be like, yeah, I can feel your pain. What's going on? Like, so, you know, having that, having a person that you can, can confide in, even if you're not able to go to a therapist or that's not where you need to go. Um, but finding, finding what works for you and, and the shame of it, you know, just kind of realizing that you just, you need this time. Your brain needs this time to, to figure out what's going on. I think that's it. <laughs> All right. Awesome. And I'm so glad you have that person in your life that can, that can be that person for you. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's so incredibly important to have those people that we can turn to, um, that can be present for us and hold space for us and really just hear us when we are struggling. So, um, it's really amazing that you have that, Trish. I'm, I'm super glad for you in that. Thank you. All right, y'all. So things that we can do. Um, I see your hand, my friend, and I'm so sorry, but we're closing in on the end of the hour. And I want to make sure we have some, some time to kind of canvas some of these things, because like I said, first and foremost, um, in, in times, in the before times, in the times where all of this kind of additional stress was not going on in my life, um, I was able to cope with my anxiety through a lot of coping mechanisms um, that I have built up for myself over the years. Um, I mentioned grounding, which is, you know, kind of finding some physical sensation that you can ground yourself in. That's why it's called that. But whether that is the, the cold wind on your face or an ice cube in your hand, sticking your face in cold water, having somebody hold on to you, um, 
you know, peeling the, the carpet or the texture of the blanket or whatever it is to take yourself outside of your body. Because the struggle is that once your body starts to respond, it's really, really difficult to break through some of those habits. Um, we've heard gratitude mentioned. Obviously, that's a really, really fantastic one as a way to just mitigate some of those issues we have when we're in those kind of negative thought patterns that start to color everything that we see, being able to take the time to recognize all of the things that we have to be grateful for um, is, is hugely, hugely important and incredibly impactful. If you go and, and look for the studies on gratitude, you will find the positive impacts that it can have on your life um, and on your mental state, even on your blood pressure and other things like that. We have meditation, which we've talked about in here before. There are multiple different kinds of meditation and more than likely there is one out there that is right for you, whether that is, you know, everything from simple breathing exercises to gratitude meditation, all the way down to transcendental meditation. There is a whole scope of that stuff that you can look at, but almost everyone I've ever spoken to who deals with anxiety will talk about medication or other mental health issues. I'm sorry, we'll talk about meditation because it is a really, really powerful tool. Um, I mentioned breath work that is an entire scope of its own that doesn't necessarily have to do with meditation, but most of us, many of us, don't breathe right, which is, you wouldn't think that that's a thing, um, but it is. A couple of years ago during the, the height of the Me Too movement and the, and the Kavanaugh hearings, um, I was having a lot of physical stress that I was not able to pin to anything. I did not recognize that it was a result of all of these movements and of having been molested when I was little, very little. Um, I, that was something I thought I had dealt with. And so I was having long, long runs of heart palpitations that were scary. Um, I get something that's called PACs, which means premature atrial contractions. So my, my first atria will try to start a heartbeat all by itself and the rest of the heart basically goes nah and so what it feels like is a skipped heartbeat even though all that it is is a, a kind of an out of place issue it's an electrical issue it's it's just one part of my heart going let's go and the rest of it going it's not time yet so it feels like it's it's benign so it's not going to hurt me but it feels like your heart is malfunctioning and it's really difficult to maintain healthy steady trains of thoughts and emotions when it feels like your heart is doing things it's not supposed to do so i went in luckily my my primary care physician was awesome they got me into a cardiologist um, to do a stress test and the nurse noticed as I was in the midst of the stress test that when I started getting too focused on my body and what it was doing and if it was doing the right thing or not the right thing, my breathing would get all wonky. So she started talking to me and she said, okay, as soon as you started talking, all of your breathing and your, and your baseline went in a completely different direction. So you, as a, as a person who is sensitive to stimuli, you need to work on your breathing, whether you decide to do that through yoga or swimming or breath work or something like that. That's something you need to focus on because most of us don't pay attention to our breathing. And if I get in a situation that even subconsciously I recognize is stressful or potentially psychologically dangerous to me, my, I will stop breathing and I will have long periods where I just don't breathe at all. And so of course my body is going to start reacting to that. So breath work is something that you can do. I would highly encourage you to look that up and just go see um, what you can find out about it because that can be really incredibly impactful as well. Um, finding your people, 
having someone to talk to, having people you can talk to that are not going to judge you, that are not going to necessarily try to give you the answer, right? We've all had those people where we just need them to listen and and they want to be able to provide a solution. So make sure when you have those people that you are letting them know what you need. Is this, I need a solution, something I can do to start helping myself? Or is this, I just need somebody to listen and be there and hold me while I cry or whatever it is. Um, make sure you are communicating. If you know what your needs are, make sure you're communicating those and letting them know how they can be there for you. And then go find a way to be of service. I know that this is not always talked about, but sometimes we can get so caught up in ourselves in our own lives and what's going on with us that we can kind of spiral into the dark oblivion inside of us. Um, and when you find people that you can give to, that you can serve, that you can help, it really serves to pull you out of yourself to allow you to focus on other people. And that can really just, like I said, it takes you out of yourself. So those are a few things that I personally have noticed that work for me when I'm not in periods like I'm in now where there is a lot of added stress and I need a licensed professional now to step in and help me because those methods just aren't cutting it. Um, there's two more things I want to mention before I ask the rest of the folks that are up speaking today to share some of the things that really worked for them. One is, and, and Carol, you mentioned this, so I wanted to make sure that I addressed it. One is we can often add additional stress to our lives by enforcing ideas that aren't necessarily true on ourselves. And by that, I mean, you know, you said at this point in my career, I should. There is nobody who says you should. That's not a rule. That is something that we just think is supposed to happen, even though there's no actual truth in it. And many of us will do this when it comes to our careers. We will say, I've been doing this for 10 years and I should have this by now, or I should be doing this by now, or whatever it is. And, and there is, that's not actually a thing. That's not a truism. That's not a truth. That's just a perception we have based on what we think and what we see of other people's lives. There is no should. And oftentimes living in that should is what causes stress that would not be there otherwise. We have to pay attention to that internal monologue and recognize when we're pushing perceptions on ourselves that don't actually serve us and that don't need to be true because when we live in that space of I should have this is what's supposed to be happening or whatever it causes resentment it causes anxiety we start comparing ourselves to others even though we don't have the full story and I know almost every artist will do this that comparison game is really really difficult to get out of but number one we we have to because who says so who is the authority that says if you're at a certain age and you've been doing something for a certain amount of time, this is what you deserve. That's that's not a thing, right? We just think that it is. Um, and we cause ourselves a lot of undue mental and emotional stress because we're enforcing an idea upon ourselves that doesn't necessarily have to be there. If we can free ourselves from that, it makes it much, much easier to tackle where we're at right now instead of where we think we should be. And then that brings up this idea of normal. Um, I'm convinced that this doesn't exist. I think normal is kind of a statistical anomaly that doesn't account for all of the um, all of the unique aspects of an individual's life. 
Um, and I think the idea that there is a normal quote unquote out there somewhere makes us compare ourselves to a standard that also doesn't actually exist. Who is normal? Do you know anyone? Because I don't like this idea we have of normal, somebody who is, you know, who doesn't struggle and they're in a good mood all the time and they're, they're just living their life and they don't have any mental health issues ever. or They never have any physical problems. They don't have hard times in their relationships. Like who the fuck are these people? They don't exist. Tell me somebody, you know, who doesn't have trauma. Like that's not a thing. So this idea we have of normal, I, I feel like we have to be really careful about using it subconsciously as a baseline standard that we don't fit because I don't think that exists. We should not be comparing ourselves to an idea of normal. We should only be comparing ourselves to, I recognize that right now my responses are not where I'm at when I'm happy and healthy. That's my normal, right? And when I'm falling outside of that and it's affecting the quality of my life and my happy and healthy is now not something I can reach for anymore, that's the normal I should be looking at and not, not some weird idea about other people who exist in our imaginations who somehow live normal lives that we don't have. Because that all by itself can cause us to question and to, to doubt. So those are my things. I want to make sure everybody else has a chance to share. Um, obviously therapy, um, obviously medication are in there as well. So I want to hear what everybody else has to say about what are the things that we can do to help protect, guard. Yeah, um, I think I, I loved everything you just said. And I think another thing that people who struggle mentally needs to be really aware of is how we set boundaries towards other people so how are we helping others how are we showing up for others and in turn how do we set boundaries on that for ourselves when we do it because i feel like a lot of people who struggle mentally are also people who are very empathetic and uh, feel a lot of things a lot um so we want to help we want to make sure that the people around us are are feeling good as well but at we tend to do that in, or at least I do, I can't speak for everyone else, obviously, but I I personally tend to forget about myself in helping others. And when we don't set boundaries on that, we end up, I end up feeling even more worn out than I was before. Um, and so I think it's really important that we, we learn how to set boundaries. We learn how to say, okay, how do I show up? in this moment, how do I help this person in this moment without compromising my own mental health? Um, how to do that is a different matter and it's way more difficult, but um, being aware of how you feel in the moment, just kind of tuning in, asking yourself questions. We talked about that a lot, asking yourself questions, being curious about the process of what's going on inside of you and being like, okay, how am I feeling in this moment? What is this making me feel? How is my body reacting to this? Do I have a knot in my stomach? And then be like, okay, friend, I am. I understand that you're struggling right now, but right now, so am I. And right now, I cannot be the person for you that you need because I can barely take care of myself. And it feels so selfish. My anxiety is going all over right now, even thinking about, 
saying that to someone else, being like, but, 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 but I want to help. But we cannot help others before we help ourselves. We need to protect ourselves against draining our own energy. So when we show up for others, we need to show up for ourselves first and foremost. We have to be the most important person in our lives in that moment, in every moment, really. So learning to set boundaries is something that I think is vital to mental health um, and happiness. And I'm just going to tag on to what Sisla said, which was uh, great. Um, there was a lot in there that I really resonated with, um, but not to say anything that hasn't been said before, but for those of you that are listening to this and are like, it's never easy, just know that it's never easy for anybody. There's a lot of us that are out here doing the same thing, that you're surrounded by people that can help. Um, so don't feel any shame in feeling the way that you feel. Reach out if you need to, get help if you need to, and um, just take a couple of deep breaths. That's it. Don't be scared. Pop up and say it, guys. What helps you when you are struggling mentally? I have a tendency to to go inward um, and just kind of assess the situation um, because everything is figure outable. Uh, everything is workable. And it's just a matter of taking that moment where if I step back, go into myself, clear out the noise that's around me and really allow myself to assess the situation, it makes it easier for me to get through that situation. Coaching. Uh, is alcohol the wrong answer? <laughs> Um, but I mean, seriously, like, uh, I, I, we've had this candid conversation before. Uh, I know Matt who has now disappeared is, is, we've talked about this too, but there, you know, there is some level of response that I've had from some recreational drugs. I know that's not everybody's uh, cup of tea and that's cool. Um, you know, I think a lot of times, uh, for me personally, I think of things like um, marijuana's ability to mellow you out. And frankly, for me, where I live in my life, I would much rather uh, consume something that is more on the natural side than something that I have to keep taking psychotropic type drugs for. And I'm not knocking them. I have them. I've been on them before. Um, I don't like the way that I feel optimally, uh, when I'm doing that. So, you know, finding some space for some, I guess, some alternative therapies and even skidding away from some of the stigmas that are associated with a whole bunch of things, because there's been a lot of long time propaganda campaigns that have made us all feel that all sorts of things are bad and evil. Um, and I think anything, uh, I, it's going to sound weird in this conversation right now, but I kind of take more of a, of what I would say is like a biblical stance of like anything used to excess, anything used to uh, extremes becomes bad. Um, anything 
used to like mask and, and, and put away from and take you further away from your center is bad, but things used in moderation sometimes are exactly what you need in any moment in time. Um, and so, yeah, uh, you know, not going to lie. Sometimes I just need to mellow out and turn off my brain. That's probably my biggest, my biggest thing in life period. And, and it's one of the reasons why, you know, to go to sleep, I basically watch the same movie every single night and think, because I just can't shut this dude down. Um, and so sometimes I need some external stuff to just shut down the thinking long enough to do all of the other stuff that I have to do. Um, and I think, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about normality in this conversation and it, over the years I've thought, man, I, I feel like being air quote screwed up is air quote normal because everybody I've talked to is screwed up. Um, and we're all talking about ourselves like we're screwed up, but the all is the keyword in there. We're all talking about it and all of us are having similar issues. So it seems more like normal is at what we're, we're air quote saying is normal is really abnormal. Uh, and, and if we meet those people wherever they are, if they ever existed, like I kind of feel like maybe they're the ones that are weird. Um, you know, and, and I think like, you know, much to what you're saying, when we start changing this conversation and, and it's been drastically changing over the years, I, by and large, I think most of us have come to terms with mental health and, and mental health crises is, is, is not something to be ashamed of. Most of us are, are in these spaces. Most of us are encountering these spaces. I think that's, I know in my time in the military, I watched it dramatically transform, um, especially after 20 years of combat, uh, where, you know, basically anybody that had a patch on their, on their right shoulder was screwed up in some way, because guess what? We went and did stuff that human beings aren't really supposed to do, um, even though we've been doing it since the dawn of time. So maybe that's not even true. Maybe that actually is what we do, because that's human nature. It is to seek and destroy. Um, I don't, I don't know. I feel like we all just need to come to terms with and accept that this is, we are normal. Uh, and, and although we all different are all different in that, that normality, it is the norm that we all have something that we're working on or some hiccup or something that is keeping us from maybe living our optimal life. And, and I agree. I think what you said, uh, Nicole, a little while ago was so beautiful. It's just knowing where you are when you're at your best is your baseline. And anything that deviates from that is your abnormal. So I think the more that I've spent on this decade of understanding, this decade plus of understanding what my physiological baseline is and what my mental baseline is, that is the only standard I use to measure off of is when I'm ha when I'm noticeably happy, when I'm notum, notum, when I am noticeably in my optimal state, I want to keep a record of that so that when it deviates, I know something is abnormal with me because my baseline as it relates to me is different. And, 
as we've talked about multiple, multiple times here, I have become very, very attuned to that um, to the point that I will do things like get biometric feedback to understand when small deviations have taken place. So when small deviations take place, I'll take my blood pressure, I'll take my pulse, I'll take all sorts of things to understand what that physiological shift that I felt was so that I have more data points to work with. Also recognizing um, that you can absolutely mentally control all of those things. You can control your blood pressure, you can control your body temperature, you can control your heart rate um, with your thoughts. So, you know, tr back tracing all of those things and understanding what baseline is. So when abnormal, abnormal behavior takes place, both physiologically or mentally, I could start back tracing recent activities to find out what's going on. And I think when you start doing that habitually, you'll recognize how much your thoughts control everything else and how much you can imagine, as in your case, Nicole, how you can imagine a bunch of things that aren't real, but you have a massively physiological response to it, which makes it feel more real, which then amps up the physiological response. And now you're in a self-fulfilling prophecy loop that you can't get out of unless you now have another thought that says, hey, this loop is an accuracy, let me break it. And only when that happens can your, your physio physiology slow down, reset and come back to baseline. But it all, all of it resonates inside of your head and you can control a lot. It's just being, you know, first, first you have to understand uh, and only when you understand what your normal is, can you start working on everything else and working on all those little hiccups? So much good stuff here today, guys. Um, anybody else before we close down? I want to make sure. Um, I'll keep it short and sweet just to, to write off a little bit of what David was talking about. Um, if Anybody else out there has a wild variety of moods because that is a big part of my own particular flavor of the mental issues. Um, I highly recommend the app Dalio. I mean, there's a ton of different like apps and stuff out there, um, but it's just, it's something that's so easy where if you are easily overwhelmed and you don't really want to have to think about like one other thing that you have to pay attention to or write down or keep track of or whatever, um, that particular app is uh, super user friendly and, you know, it shows your ups and your downs and uh, kind of what you've been doing throughout the day. Like, oh, you feel like shit today? Okay, what were you doing? Did you go to work? Did you go work out? Did you stay home with the kids? Um, whatever. And it's all got these cute little icons and stuff. Um, very easy to use. And just, you know, it's, it's really beneficial to keep track of things like that if you're prone to big mood swings or changes in feelings and stuff like that, because it can help educate yourself. And if you do end up seeing a licensed professional, um, having that information to share with them can also be very beneficial to make sure you're getting the right kind of answers. Um, just from my own experience, having dealt with um, both, you know, healthcare professionals myself, and then um, also with like my kids, um, it could be a really long process to figure out really what's it, what exactly is going on with you if there is something deeper than maybe just something situational. So the more information you have and the more you're educated on your own 
you know, feelings and thoughts and, you know, whatever else is going on, um, can't emphasize how important keeping those kind of notes, you know, even if it's just a journal or something and having that, uh, information to pull back on can be so. All right, guys. Um, this was a, a really important and a really, really interesting conversation because we've been able to see several flavors of, hey, guess what? What we think of as normal isn't really normal. Um, and being able to hear the fact that we're all struggling along together, like all of us are just trying to get get to the good spot and keep chugging along. And we're encountering struggles on the way. And that is normal. And it's part of life. And a big part of being able to handle this is being able to do it together and being able to say, hey, guys, I am struggling. And for the rest of us to go, God, me too, how can we help if we just have to be a listening ear? And having these conversations that do normalize and remind us of the fact that normal doesn't exist, that we're all struggling somewhere, even if it's just a little bit, um, can go a long way towards helping towards getting us to where we don't put these undue expectations on ourselves that we then feel bad about the fact that we didn't meet those expectations when they were unrealistic the whole damn time. Um, and then as David mentioned as well, I don't scoff at quote unquote alternative medicine. Um, I know several people, my mom is one of them who manage their anxiety with things like marijuana um, makes a huge difference for her and is, is not, you know, something that she has to have a prescription to deal with. And so she's able to use as she sees fit. Um, and I also know, I mean, I know people who their anxiety disorder, um, their OCD is managed that way. So I know a lot of folks who that is kind of their primary method of management. I've also heard a lot of really great things about um, microdosing with psilocybin and people who are able to find somebody to help walk them through that path. I know several people who have seen really incredible differences in their reaction to PTSD and to depression. So if you are a person, and remember, nobody here today is a mental health care specialist. We're just talking about our own experiences and encouraging one another to get help. But if you are a person who is interested in that kind of thing, highly recommend you, you do your research and go find um, accredited people to talk to. I know that there are folks, um, I, I don't know where the studies are taking place, but I know there are studies that are taking place where you can um, you know, be part of those studies to walk through what the effects are of things like microdosing on psilocybin. So, I mean, you know, do your research, but at the end of the day, make sure that if you need to talk to a licensed professional that you are, please do that. Give that gift to yourself make sure that you have somebody there who understands all of this, who can point you in the right direction, who can give you the feedback on your specific circumstances and help give you the kind of tools that you need to live the life that you want to live. Cause that's all, all of us are trying to do. So I know that we interrupted our business conversation to have this one, but I just felt like it was really important. And, um, know that we're all here for each other. If you're not part of the artist Forge group on Facebook. This is the place where we can continue these kinds of conversations. So I hope you'll come and join us there if you're not there. Be sure to share, be sure to be there for one another. I and mean, that is why community exists. That's what humans are supposed to do. That's why we're social creatures. Don't put any undue expectations on yourself. 
find what works for you, share what works for you, let people know where you're at. Let's continue the work of destigmatizing mental health because we sure as hell talk a lot about physical health and mental health affects physical health and the other way around. So these are all conversations that we should be having. Thank you to everybody who was here today who was vulnerable and willing to share what they're going through. You guys are amazing and continue to be on the front lines of, uh, of standing in the gap for other people. So I appreciate you. I hope you will be here with us tomorrow morning while we continue to discuss business and, uh, and how we're moving forward in our businesses. I, I believe we will have Kat with us. So um, we will have Kat with us, right, Bassam? Do you, you remember better than I do? <laughs> I reread her message, yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. So we're going to be talking about your ideal client and where you can find them. So in the meantime, go do something amazing. Go have a rest day or make yourself feel incredible if that's what you need. Make something beautiful. We will see you tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. Have a great day, guys. Thanks again for listening to this live Clubhouse discussion moderated by all of us at The Artist Forge. We hope you found the information useful and that it helps you gain a little bit of insight as to how you work on your craft. For more episodes, please join us each weekday on Clubhouse or visit theartistforge.com. Now go make something incredible.